Yes, you speak some English. Son of bitch, shit. Son of bitch, shit. Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fox to give about actor Dennis Quaid. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here with Armed Force Jeb Lund. Hello, Jeb. Sergeant? Sergeant? Uh, yeah, that, that does kind of um, tie into all of my many issues with the movie that we're discussing today, Stripes. But before we get into that, A, yes, Dennis Quaid was in Stripes, allegedly. <clears throat> B... Jeb, since we last spoke, yes. have you managed to schedule a listening of the Denissance into your day? So I was going to do it this morning, you know, because I want to stay fresh. You know, I, I want it to be foremost in my mind. So if you ask me anything about it, I've got beautiful recall. But a friend of mine who I've known on the internet for about five years actually moved to Tampa. And like an idiot, I was like, you know, what? how can I help you social distance move? So it sounds way more complicated than it is. But what you have to do is you have to stand at the end of the truck and then have them hand it to you. You don't want to go in there because it's like closed area. And okay. then you just carry everything to the door. So that's what I was doing. And like, I wanted to just listen to it and have the earbuds in. But you know what it's like. You got to have chatter. You know, you got to stay alive out there. You got to know who's got like the heavy item, where it's coming, where you got to grab it. So, I mean, it just really scotched my, my plan. But, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have any major... Uh, lifting that I have to do next week. Okay. Um, I meant to listen to it also. And then um, the neighborhood red tail hawk swooped down and stole my phone. Well, I mean, you have this still have a zoom though, right? Can they do pods or no? I mean, it's really not the same to sit at your desk and listen to a podcast. Me, a podcaster. That's crazy. Come on. Yeah, we're not listening to the Denisons. Um, okay, so... You're not, right? But, like, don't blame my bad luck on me, right? <laughs> yeah, let's not victim blame people who have had to do without the Denisons due to various circumstances outside of their control, and in one case, motivated by charitable feeling. Also, nature right in tooth and claw. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so enough stalling, seriously stripes i'm sure everybody's familiar at least vaguely in the it's kind of in everybody's cultural dna because it was a total poppy fields movie somehow in the 80s like it was always on cable somewhere on the weekend we got a couple different plot summaries here's the um, extremely short one from imdb two friends who are dissatisfied with their jobs decide to join the army for a bit of fun yes and no <laughs> The somewhat more verbose warlock of IMDb summarizes Stripes thusly, quote, Thanks to a run of bad luck and go-nowhere jobs, John convinces Russell to join the army so they can get in shape, likening it to a health spa. Once in boot camp, wise guy John tangles with his by-the-book sergeant and becomes the unofficial leader for his platoon made up mostly of other misfits and assorted losers. After somehow making it through graduation, they are given a special assignment, but thanks to John's romantic interest in a pretty MPO, the other men wind up behind the Iron Curtain until John, Russell, their dates, and Sergeant Hulka make a daring rescue attempt in explosive style, end quote. Get it? Hey. I had seen this movie once 
it was spoken of so fondly by comedy heads in my life. I finally saw it like when I was in my 20s and I was like, this is a this is fucking inert. I don't care. Mm -hmm. This is everything I hate about Bill Murray shtick. And it's not edited well enough to make me care. Um, while prepping this episode, we somehow wound up watching the extended cut, which really did not help. And that's on me. Sorry. But th this seemed to get, at the time, pretty good reviews. People seemed to enjoy it. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't think it's for ladies. And I... There's parts of Bill Murray's whole thing that, like, if they're not done in a disciplined way, they just, ju I can't relate to them at all. Yeah. I mean, I can't fault Harold Ramis for just rewriting Animal House when somebody said, like, could you write us Animal House in blank? You know, I'm glad it wasn't like Animal House and Jaws or Animal House and Aliens or something. It was just like Animal House <laughs> yeah. and the Army. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's the same vibe, but with Bill Murray as like a less attractive otter kind of deadpanning through it. Yeah. I mean, you said you don't really see the appeal. I wanted to be, I wanted to kind of do the Lebowski thing and go, obviously you're not much of a masturbator <laughs> uh, because that's kind <laughs> yeah. of, I think, the value of this movie it's it's animal house but it's got way more tits than animal house yeah and for longer and Including i remember that mrs dennis quaid pj souls late also of carrie and rock and roll high school maybe she was another one that at the turn of the 70s and 80s she was everywhere and then she just wasn't there needs to be some sort of like database of people who dropped off the face of the earth through no diminution in their ability and and maybe we could just sort of like map how each one came to pass like in the last episode like why was julia ormond in five movies or like in every movie for five years and then disappeared and i wonder was it was it that like she did something wrong or maybe everybody went hold up she's not actually good yeah everybody wanted to get the trendy thing and then everybody got the trendy thing and they're like why did we do that it's like buying a it's like getting a miata or oh jesus <laughs> Well, um, there was a year there, right? <laughs> I oh yeah, everybody did that. A friend of my um, family, like he's my dad's age, and he got a little blue one, and we were like, "What are you?" Do he's like, "Well, this is the midlife crisis car now, right?" And we're like, "Well, not really, though." <laughs> like, no, you wanted to get a Z three. Sorry, yeah. you wanted to get anything, but that I mean, they were really cute little cars, though, <laughs> like a little skateboard. But back to the masturbator comment, like, I think, yeah. I think if you saw this when you were 13 or 14, when, you know, again, some of the problematic elements aren't things that like you're going to, you know, like culturally you haven't evolved out of yet to make it a red flag, like, and also tastefully, you haven't experienced a lot of cinema and craft to know that this is an extremely lazy take on a movie you already liked, or, you know, maybe you didn't like, but was just better than this one. And I think if I if I had had the same experience as you, like coming at it in my 20s, I would have been like, what the fuck is this? But like, since I saw it when I was 10 or 12 or whatever, and was an American breast enthusiast. But sure. even then, like it wasn't the preferred movie. I don't know where anybody who was like stripes over Animal House. Yeah. Or, I mean, here's the thing. I am an uh, experienced masturbator, but uh, like... <laughs> Let's not take all day. Like, th there are goals. There are ends here. I just, there's something about 
Bill Murray ad-libbing that's like, because Harold Ramis is there and because you have like sort of a bunch of familiar tropes all around and because fucking Ghostbusters exists and has a much more effective villain in William Atherton and for like a variety of reasons is just like these three dudes, Reitman, Murray, and Ramis working together at like just a much more disciplined, like I'm fine with ad-libbing, but you can't just like let it go on and on and use the flabby take where kind of like only Judge Reinhold is is laughing at something. Like I, it just was not paced effectively. And some of it is my really not thinking that Bill Murray, that it's like, he, where does he come up with this stuff? Like this is like a C plus, like this is fucking day old pudding. Sorry. He's done better and he's been better done by, by his editors, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I just want to note that Bill Murray was 30 when this was made. And I have never seen anybody look a rougher 30 who slept in a home. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, he's like, I got to get my life together. I'm going to be 30 next year. I was like, if I had been smoking, like I would have opened my mouth and the cigarette would have just dropped to the floor. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they look bad. Yeah. Like, what happened to the boomer kids? I, I remember my mom used to tell me, like, growing up in the South, the Malthion truck would drive through the neighborhood spraying Malthion to kill off all the mosquitoes, and the kids would run after it because it smelled good. Mm-hmm. And they'd, like, run in the spray. And it's like, I just imagine, like, this must be what Bill Murray did growing up. That and, like, drinking ultraviolet light. And, you know, possibly smoking your cigarettes <laughs> three at a time all day. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he looks bad. Part of it is the part of it is the way it's lit and shot. Like, it's just not friendly to his distinctive physiognomy. But I mean, even Ramus looks like 50 years old. And I don't know how old he was, but he wasn't 50. I think he was 36 or yeah. 35 in it, but he looks like he's, yeah, like closing in on the, the back end of the 40s. And you, well, and you know. yeah, some of the some of it is the styling, too, that we were still in an era, um, particularly like more so for women where like between like everybody over 40 looked 60 kind of. So, yeah, with the, I don't know, shiny red lipstick and people still wearing hats to go to the airport i mean it it was a different time so contemporary reviews seem to be quite positive which uh, i don't entirely get it uh roger ebert said of stripes murray and ramus make a wonderful team their big strength is restraint Uh, maybe the version ebert saw seemed toned up and restrained we did not have the benefit of that later ebert refers to the tendency of movies like this to degenerate into undisciplined slapstick which absolutely does happen a couple of times in the extended cut that i watched once again uh the washington post comes through at least for me with um look if you need anything withered just point this gary arnold quote at it and that should take care of it Quote, Stripe squanders at least an hour, belaboring situations contradicted from the outset by Murray's personality. 
The premise and star remain out of whack until the rambling, diffuse screenplay finally struggles beyond basic training. Already fighting a losing battle against incredulity, the basic training sequences slip and slide into assorted detours, including miserable episodes in which Murray and Oates come to blows and a porky platoon member played by John Candy defeats a team of vicious female mud wrestlers at a saloon. End quote. Um, yeah, miserable episodes kind of sums it up for me. I just kept like checking my computer clock, checking my watch, playing games on my phone. It, it just had no air in it at all. I'm not sure I would have felt different if we'd watched a, a non-extended cut, but this is just like <laughs> completely, completely has missed me on every level, pretty much. Can I throw a devil's advocate argument at you? Absolutely. I feel like if we'd watched this at the time, the fact that it's in a military milieu would have maybe made the comedy work better rather than make it seem more implausible and, you know, just sort of dumb. Because it's made in this weird kind of interregnum in American violence, like at right. least international violence. And like, and technically no, right? Like, you know, like there's that study, like there's maybe 11 years of the existence of the United States where we haven't been at war, even if we right. haven't declared it. You know, so I can't even remember what we're doing in Afghanistan at this given moment. But anyway, nothing good. like there is this interregnum. There's this shame. There's a post-Vietnam shame that is is accelerated, I think, by, you know, by Watergate, by the church committee, all the abuses that the security state has committed. And it's before Top Gun figures out before the military actually figures out via Top Gun that they could make your movie look better if your movie made them look better. So there's, you know, not like copaganda, right? But like, I don't know, gruntaganda. Or I don't, we'll, we'll figure it out later. But like that kind of propaganda hasn't taken over. So you and Fatiganda? I have experienced, you know, like There you go. We're so used to this valorized, even if it's like we think of it as like stupid or easily punctured. But like this is at a time where the military wouldn't have been valorized and we wouldn't have been used to seeing the military done represented with like precision and accuracy and they would never do that. So like, I think the idea of just plopping these degenerates into that works a little bit more then also because like, you know, you've just had animal house and meatballs, but you haven't had revenge of the nerds and all the other ones that, that crawl out from under its overcoat. So it's not as overdone you know, and that that would kind of like, I think, get you going in 1981 going like, yeah, yeah, these are all these are all fuck ups, even the ones who are doing it right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that in terms of how the army part of it was received at the time versus now that you're right. But I think the point that it's just not credible that Bill Murray's character would be like, well, I got nothing else going at like, you know, three hots and a cot. Let's join the army like and then be a fucking shitty brat about it all the time once he's there. Like, which is it? You're too good for this or you need this? Like from its inception, there's that problem of like, if you're t fucking so much smarter than the army, first of all, join the extensively large club. And second of all, what are you fucking doing here then? Then he has all these set pieces that, I don't know, he's just like, 
he's always at the center of things and cracking people up. And once again, there's this principle that's like, if this is your rebellious sort of anarchy minded protagonist, he needs to be funnier and less of a shithead. Uh, maybe I just yeah. have run out of patience for this kind of thing, but clip two is everything that I generally can't deal with about undisciplined Bill Murray comedies of this sort. Okay, Mr. Push-Ups. Let's hear your story. Chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear, and when I do, it's usually something unusual. But now I know why I have always lost women to guys like you. I mean, it's not just the uniform. It's the stories that you tell. So much fun and imagination. Lee Harvey, you are a madman. When you stole that cow and your friend tried to make it with the cow, <laughs> I want to party with you, cowboy. <laughs> yeah. De I mean, like, defend that. You can't. It's not about the cow. It's just like, it's... <laughs> It's not funny. It takes too long. Nobody's jumping his lines with laughter because it's not funny. Yep. We're going to, you know, condescend to the hayseed with the cow fucking joke. Like maybe, maybe that really played in 81 when it had been done a gazillion times, but there's like n nothing charming about this. And it really thought it was very charming. There are a lot of lines in this that have uh michael ian black syndrome like whenever you watch like i love the 80s or i love the 90s like the only thing he does is just read a sentence of factual data but like slightly sarcastically so you go oh that's funny and it's uh -huh. it's like that he's just sort of telling a story drolly and you're supposed to go like oh well your attitude toward it is humorous so the content must be as well and no <laughs> i think we went one whole episode without you shitting on the state <laughs> didn't realize i missed it and then here it is uh i got i got a few things that i, I would want to say like positively just really quick because i feel bad yeah, just i mean like, it this should sucks. be really quick because how long could this list be i actually don't hate it that much i just like there's literally no fucking quaid in this and i resent that we had to do it did you see him at all i mean you said that you took pictures i didn't see him at all I tried. I, I thought I did, but then based on trivia I was reading on the IMDb, it's like, oh, that probably wasn't him. I mean, Bill Murray's love interest is PJ Souls, and that was Mr. That was a uh, Mrs. Dennis Quaid at the time. So, one other one, just real quick, is when he's trying to do push-ups in his apartment right at the beginning. Harold Ramis just has a beautiful line read on, "I've never heard bones creak like that." <laughs> yeah. There's a bit where John Larroquette as the preening. I mean, yeah, also, I will give him credit. He has a, 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 a fey and weird salute that he insists on doing. And it's just weird enough without being like too weird. And I loved that he found that lane for that. But there's another bit where he's got a, a telescope out, out and he's scoping out the, uh, the women MPs or like in the shower. And his superior comes in and he just pushes the telescope through the pane of glass <laughs> and he has a little yip right like but instead of throwing it up or dropping it it's just his response is oh i will make it go directly through the glass and like it's it's completely 
I mean, there's no brains went into this, right? But like, it's, it's good. It's great. I loved it. There was sort of a runner. I felt it was as though certain members of the company had just discovered like movie sugar glass. Cause there's a bunch of glass breaking in this movie that doesn't actually need to in a movie that yeah. could support a lot of breaking glass. Some of it is egregious. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I actually had one more clip before we got to the ratings, which is here is the classic um, Bill Murray head of the gang of misfits rallying speech, except this one's kind of a D plus. We're all very different people. We're not Watusi. We're not Spartans. We're Americans with a capital A, huh? You know what that means? Do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. We are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're mutts. Here's proof. His nose is cold. But there's no animal that's more faithful, that's more loyal, more lovable than the mutt. And then he goes on some sidebar about crying at Old Yeller, which, all right, whatever. But... I don't know. This was just shot very strangely. Like, maybe I was expecting a patriotic fife to come up on the soundtrack and I'm the problem. But there's like almost no reaction. There's no build. It, it's not, it's like unfocused. And I guess that's the point of it. And what some people like about it is just not for me. You're right. And I think that comes back to something you said earlier about a lot of these just feeling like set pieces. I think, you know, Harold Ramis got the concept. Somebody gave him the money and said, Animal House, Army. And, and he said, great, came up with a shell of a script. And then we just get these nuggets of moments. And some of them are, are very kind of like, this is a, a sketch idea. And some of them are like, well, this is where we've got to turn the plot here a little bit so we can get back to running a few sketches. And so when you do have those moments where you're advancing the story, you're like, uh, okay, all right. So you're doing movie now. All right, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't really ever need to see this once, much less again in the extended cut. So I am comfortable sallying forth with a rating of one. (laughs) Just relentless. All right, you know, despite you, I'm just going to give it a four. You know, it's the same as last one. You go one, I'll go four. I'll do this forever. I can do this forever. (laughs) For you, dad. (laughs) All right, well, (laughs) I the quade qua quade section is going to be microscopic. Um, oh, really? What's your rating? <laughs> I mean, I can't verify that the motherfucker's in it. So, point one. Can we go to zero? I think we can go to zero. If we can't see him in the movie, zero counts. I'm. I mean, it's I'm going to stick the on point one because I'm sure he is actually in it, and here's why: per IMDb, which is you know black letter law. Ramis didn't want to play Russell, and Dennis Quaid auditioned for that role. Um, Bill Murray forced the producers to make Ramis be in it with him. Um, Quaid did not get a part then, I guess, but he was married to um, PJ Breasts, who plays Murray's love interest, and so he's in the crowd at the graduation scene. Allegedly, I thought he was leading a drill team, but now I'm not sure it was that guy. So, yeah, point one. The drill team thing seems to be something other people bid on because I did a GIS and there's all these kind of grainy shots of 
like parade ground stuff that they're doing and and i think other people are like pretty sure that that's where quaid is but if he's in the the actual grandstand i mean yeah i don't can we get Leonard nimoy's ass out here and so are you gonna go with the zero because i'm good with that i think that's legal yeah i'm 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 going zero i mean habeas quaidus right produce the quaid I mean, I got nothing else. Next time on Quaid and Full, Mickey Rooney's Emmy-winning performance as an intellectually disabled man and a Dennis Quaid performance at all, which will be a step up from Stripes, in the TV movie Bill. In the meantime, check out the show notes and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid and Full Pod. If you're wondering when your favorite Quaid joint is getting covered or you want to advertise on a specific episode, our DMs are open. Quaid and Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? We want to party with you, cowboys, so go sign up wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review Quaid and Full so other people can find it. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Linda, hell with you. <laughs>